This is episode number 166, Embrace Who You Are, with Stefan Mendoza. Welcome, my name is Ola Glohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, struggle, and suffering in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a brief announcement and invite all of our listeners to our upcoming Courageous Conversation. This is something that's been taking place for about 10 to 15 weeks that we started with the intention of bringing our community members closer and helping create a space for others to better understand their own individual journeys. If you're interested in learning more about these upcoming events, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today to which we'll respond with all of the details. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring stories. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Odds Podcast. Today's guest is someone that I've been wanting to bring on for quite some time. The story that him and I shared a couple weeks ago fascinated me for a couple reasons, and in particular about this topic of embracing one's individual identity and the daily challenges that we face. Hi, hi. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be overcoming odds with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things I, as I look back at the name and the journey of it alone, I think that has been the best description that describes Definitely. my life. And I think Definitely. in regard to those odds and obstacles, it's um, we face them every single day. Let's face it. For sure. We definitely do. Um through all walks of life, no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, I think um, every person, no matter how you identify, um, you definitely will overcome odds. And, you know, some are small and some are, you know, micro and some are macro. But mm-hmm. odds. <laughs> yeah, I think there's always going to be challenges to overcome. And I think the beauty of challenges, at least my experience has been, is that they present not always, but if you choose to see it through that lens, they can present meaning and purpose. Definitely. And I think that's the most powerful part that I've realized is that in looking at challenges through that lens, it not only, I think, simplifies certain aspects of life, but it allows me to understand that even within moments of suffering, mm-hmm. there is meaning to be had. Oh, yes. I think um, many people who have overcame odds in their life, they, um, and I would say, I guess we, we are grateful for what those experiences were, no matter how hard um, or troubling the struggle was. I think um, once you come out of it and you come out on top, you're grateful for how low you were or Mm -hmm. um, how hard it was for sure. Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring you onto this show and talk to you about this topic that you and I briefly spoke about last time. And it is this concept of embracing one's individual identity. Mm -hmm. You know, my experience has been is that, and even at the quote with the quote that we had at the beginning, it spoke about embracing one's individual self in order to embrace your own individual identity. But I'm curious to hear from through your lens when it comes to the environment and the people within your immediate circle, how much of a role do you think that plays or has played in your life in helping you embrace who you are today? Um, It's played a huge role in my life because I think how I navigate through every situation has been, um, has my identity has been a part of it. Um, whether that's the romantic relationships or my friendships or my relationship with my family or my parents, um, 
all my identity has all been a catalyst to how I navigate in those situations. And the reason it's been a catalyst to it is because of constant communication mm-hmm. and how we have to address to one another. Do you, did you, were there any challenges specifically that you faced within that family household? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I am, I grew up in a metropolis um, in Baltimore, Maryland. And, you know, I grew up in a very, a very common black household. So a gender non-conforming or queer, you know, it's transcended from, you know, gay to queer to now non-binary and gender non-conforming and, um, and pansexual. But the, you know, a lot of this stuff, there was not language for that in my, mm-hmm. in my household. There wasn't language beyond gay but even though that was only that one word that what there was an acceptance um behind that and i think um through that struggle i didn't identify it as a struggle at the time i was accepting it for what it was and it was kind of like in my household is like we were trained to just like keep it moving so mm. though I was being hurt at that time. It was like water off the duck's back for me. And I didn't necessarily sit in the trauma at the time. Um, I still had a goal to pursue my dreams and my, my career goals and all of that. So I didn't sit in the trauma. But of course, I feel like a lot of queer people, we we start to live out our true lives probably in our 20s. And I think that's not just a queer thing, that's a human Mm -hmm. in the human experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we all are spiritual beings having a human experience, but um, it was easy for me to get lost in that sadness and in that rejection. But I know that that would have been a hindrance to my greatness if I sat in that trauma. it is hard to overcome it, but to, to push through and, and to persevere and to follow what you know is right and what you believe, um, that takes a lot of guts. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful thing to see. I always say now, internally, though I'm still flawed and though I, I, I have much more that I want to take in and much more that I want to produce as, as Stefan Mendoza, but right now I can comfortably say internally and externally, I am, I am so happy with the person I am in this moment and the mm-hmm. person that I know I'm gonna continue to be. Um, I think right now, and I'm 25, and I think in my 20s, in my late teen years, because I moved to New York when I was 17 years old. So it was kind of like that was the catalyst to everything (laughs) taking place and shifting in the way that it should be. Um, And what it really is that I'm living in is my second adolescence, I think it is. Because truthfully, and essentially our first adolescence for the most part has been stolen from us a lot of the time. It really has been. And um, it's important that we speak these stories because our second, in speaking in our second adolescence, we're speaking to those people that are still living in their first, mm. that they, for them to take control of their first adolescence since mm. ours was stolen from us. Um, and because, Many are giving their, um, many people are giving their queerness language younger and younger. It's important for me being 25 and so I'm still young. It's important for me to really, I guess, speak that truth to power for those younger people um, to be a young person that I needed as a younger person. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's based on an individual responsibility that you choose to take as far as knowing what you know and the challenges that you have faced? And it's one of, I guess maybe it's almost one of those moments where enough is enough. Is that something that you face on an individual level or how do you choose to communicate that to people who, let's say, have faced certain degrees of challenges and can be of great influence to others? Do you 
like how do you communicate what you know to them to maybe empower them to be those leaders that they didn't know they could be? Um, I think um, the first question, I think yes. And for, I think it should be for all of us to do that. Um, yes, for me personally, it has been um, an individual goal of mine. Um, on my on my Instagram platform, I get a lot of messages. I was on a show in 2016 um, where it was on a network, which was Black Entertainment Television, BET, where people like me were not, it was not common to see a gender non-conforming or even queer person on that network when, you know, I am Black as every other Black person on there. So it's um, important that in all spaces, you are um, including all people, especially if you're talking about Black people, you include all Black people and not um, just cisgendered heterosexual Black people. But um, to continue on, um, on that show, I was already giving myself visually, um, you know, representation does matter, but I also shared a story about my um father and I's relationship, which was the catalyst to us breaking down these conversations within our own personal life and off of television. Mm -hmm. But um, I get a lot of messages from these kids all over the world. And the show also premiered in, in, on BET Africa. So I was getting all of these kids that are like 12 and 13 and 14 to this day that still write me and tell me that I inspire them so much just because of my visibility and how I, I move throughout the world. Um, and that when once I started getting those kind of um, messages, it kind of shifted my thinking that my being was not only for me. Mm. It was for all of the people who are like me and not like me, because mm -hmm. I think that um, many of us as in this human experience have so much more in common, but these constructs have gotten in the way that have detached us from relating. So I think once we all start to actually communicate and start to talk and start to give language to things, we can really relate on so many levels and really start to break down um, all of these constructs that don't need to be ruling our lives. Mm -hmm. What was your relationship with your father? Um, I have never denied that I was given love, mm -hmm. but I think um, it's important. Um, it's important that I, I always put that out there that I don't think I was ever denied love, but I think that um, in this human experience I'm always talking about, but I think specifically as a child, I think what you have to do is learn that human. And also in my adult life, I've been um, teaching people how to love me, teaching people how to treat me, and I do that consciously each and every day, each and every day amongst whoever I come into contact with. Now, as a younger person, I think parents have to learn that child and learn how to love that child because every single child is different. Mm -hmm. um, that is how I navigate that experience. Um, you know, it is, it, 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 well, I don't say it will continue to be because I do want to speak, always speak light to my relationship. And I'm going to speak light and love and perseverance to my relationship with both of my parents, um, specifically my dad, because it kind of always has been with my mom. But um, growing up, of course, it was, you know, I, I still sometimes think about those traumatic experiences of, um, you know, this kind of militant Black dad who um, is telling you to don't walk this way, don't talk this way. But I know when I break down that trauma, I know that his intentions were never to harm or hurt me, but um, subconsciously this is what he was taught and he was, you know, end up projecting that on to me as being an effeminate um, 
boy at the time. Um, mm. But I think each and every day it does get better. Right now we do have a good relationship. Um, I'm a person that does, I do love to communicate and I do love to give language to a lot of things. And I know a lot of people can get, um, can get defensive or um, they have a lot of pushback because it is something that is, when a lot of people do when they are conversing about something that is new mm-hmm. or conversing about something that they, um, they think they have knowledge of, but then, you know, I'm a direct, I guess, uh, contact for queerness because it is my experience. So, you know, you can't tell anyone their experience, but um, it is something that continues to get better. And um, breaking down all of that in my early 20s is what has given given me so much strength today. Mm. It was about maybe two or three years ago that I really started to break down my... Um, my childhood traumas and you know it did send me through a spiral mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will um but i'm so grateful i did it i am i am so grateful i did it i am 25 so i am you know a child of the internet um and through the internet is what helped me in listening is what helped me discover who it is that I am and what has helped me to give language by educating myself on things and um, finding out different things. And like, I'm like, oh, that's me. And just really giving language. So right now my relationship is is, is good with, with my dad. And um, I would l- love to have more conversations. And I think, you know, conversation al- alleviates all confusion, but, um, Conversation is also something that's scary for many people, and yeah. and I understand that. Mm-hmm. So I don't um, I don't push the conversation um, with my dad, but I do push the conversation in the world. Mm-hmm. So I know if I'm pushing it in the world, it will make its way to my dad, and um, and I'm 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 grateful for for all of it. I'm grateful for all of um, my experiences and how they've transpired. You know, I think one of the challenges that I personally have faced when it comes to <clears throat> having those difficult conversations sometimes mm-hmm. is because I wasn't necessarily taught the language yeah. to use around some of those topics. I, I can only mm-hmm. imagine in, in your case, having mm-hmm. to have some of those difficult conversations. I think the thing that I've been interested about for quite some time is that let's say you do choose to go a different way, a different route, mm-hmm. you just in regard to anything, mm-hmm. having a job versus being an entrepreneur, doing yeah. this instead of doing that. Mm-hmm. I think there's always resistance that happens within some mm-hmm. of the people that surround us. And I don't think that resistance is necessarily bad by any means right. all the time. I think sometimes it's good to have resistance because it makes you take a step back and ask yourself, okay, do I really want this? Or yeah. am I pursuing the right thing here? Or maybe there, maybe there is a grain of truth in what the mm-hmm. other person is saying. But I do believe that's an acquired skill. I do believe right. that I don't think that happens overnight. Let's put it that okay. way. Definitely I think it takes <laughs> however long for you to develop and understand that how you receive feedback is very critical. And I think sometimes receiving feedback through the lens of I'm not here to put you down, Mm -hmm. but more so maybe this person is truly trying to help and however they understand it and whichever lens they see it through, it's right to them because it's all they know. And I, I think um, that is definitely something I always say when having these conversations because it can get it can get very heightened. But I think I have to insert that language is that language of excuse me that I'm not here to put you down, but I am here to help you as long as you want to be helped, as long as you want to be helped. And I think um, depending on one's comfortability of 
becoming better and stripping themselves of um, negativity and negative negativity that comes from these constructs, then we can proceed. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as my youth, um, when I think about it, it's like I knew I was different, but I didn't know like how to name what different was. And you go, you, you experience all of these different things. And I knew I was having feelings that weren't proper by society's standards. But um, of course, like we grow up with like this false, these false narratives of identity. So like um, if you walk a certain way, you're gay. And mm-hmm. if you, if you, if you, uh, but we you know like your walking has nothing to do with your sexuality or your identity. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've always been connected to more feminine things, but still in my youth, there wasn't language for it. So um, with me now knowing the language, I think that has been a way that I can help or teach people or have teachable moments with other people to give them the correct language instead of allowing them to continue to put out the, the wrong narratives or, or, or false languages. And um, I think, you know, I, I've constantly been growing and in my evolution, just like I was saying before, you know, like before I thought I was just gay, but then, you know, that evolved to non-binary with my gender and then evolved to me with me um, developing and seeing what my gender was, my sexuality was more pansexual than it was gay because of my um, because of my um, gender identity. But um, as far as how that was received, it was um, was much different from the joy that I have, you know, confirming these things with myself, which is fine. Um, I try to, like we were saying before, I try to find the positives um, in that struggle. So though when I think of it, sometimes it, it'll be sad and whatever it is, it doesn't even have to be a relationship with your with your family or your parents. And it doesn't have to be gender or sexuality. But when you think back to these traumatic situations, um, what you do is, what makes me happy a lot of the time is that I have gotten out of it Mm. and I live in the present and I live in the joy to know that I can speak truth to power because I've, I've experienced this. And, um, and it's important for me to continue to do that um, because we have to tell these stories um, and create these systems, but we have to tell these stories so that we can create these systems to protect, people and specifically to protect youth and for me it's um to protect black queer youth um because there aren't systems in place to protect black queer youth um for example there was a kid last year um nigel shelby who was receiving the love at home that you know the, the that love of all of him he was receiving that at home but wasn't getting that same love when he was going to school. And Nigel Shelby is um, is no longer with us. And that's why I have to, that for me is a catalyst um, of why I am open, why I have to tell my story, why you and I have to have these conversations of overcoming odds so that our youth doesn't have to, um, one, experience traumatic experiences and that there are also systems to protect them mm. outside of their home, mm-hmm. in their home, to protect them as a whole. Mm-hmm. There's so much that you just said that is worth unpacking. The, f- the first thing that kind of piqued my interest was that, did there was there ever a point in your life where you felt you were tired of having to validate and explain who you are and why you are the way you are, because there comes, I, and the only reason why I say that is because in my life, mm-hmm. there have been numerous points where I just stopped explaining why I do what I do today, yeah. especially at some of the earlier phases, it's a little bit harder to communicate 
what it is that you're actually trying to build because you yeah. haven't built it yet. Right. So I'm curious in, in your case, having the story and the experiences that you've had, was there ever a point where you just might've felt that, Hey, I'm done. I'm tired. Um, I haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, and I, I don't know if I ever want to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I haven't gotten to that point. I don't want to get to that point because I know that there's so much with um, when I'm having conversations about myself and my identity and all that I am. That com- I know that conversation um, can help others, but it also is still helping me mm-hmm. in the process. Um, if you think about it, um, in my head, I'm like, okay, I experienced uh, certain things for 17 years before I moved to New York before I started to really just take control of my life and myself and really start to really get to know myself because I didn't before. And now that I'm 25, so that's what, about eight years? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my head, I'm like, okay, I know that. And so since I experienced that for 17 years, you have to break down these 17 years and um, these barriers that you've built for 17 years and I think now it's a conversation when I'm having conversations I'm not only helping I am helping people but I'm still reminding myself and affirming with myself that you are valid mm-hmm. you do matter mm-hmm. your life does matter um, everything that you are is who you are and no one can tell you that um, how what you identify as is who you are um so getting tired I don't of it I don't think that is something that will be possible for me because my story is a reminder to if I speak it more than once and people hear it more than once it's a story for them that they're hearing and they're affirming within themselves but it's also a story that is also helping me it just is something that is completely tangible to me because it's my story mhm so I never get tired of hearing other people's stories because when I'm hearing other people share their thoughts, share their journeys, share their stories, it's also affirming mine. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot to be said maybe in regard to getting tired. The way that I was kind of envisioning as you were sharing your story was getting tired might be associated with lack of progress. And so mm-hmm. it's it's in this space, I think, There's so much that you've said throughout this conversation that I think is worthwhile going back to. And the first one is the power of the internet. I mean, let's face it. We have the ability right now to broadcast certain conversations across the world, literally Mm -hmm. across the world. And yet we can be in completely different parts of it, just like you and I are right now. Mm -hmm. Complete opposite side of the country. And so I think there's a lot to be said as far as the impact that you could have with your story. And the other thing that I found fascinating that you mentioned was that your story is no longer for you. Mm -hmm. Your story is a mirror for other people. Your story is an outlet for someone else who may be at the first, second, third chapter of their book. Definitely. And I think, um, the story isn't finished. I don't think anyone's story is is finished. Um, and I think there's things that I could converse about right now. And I reach um, an, an, I reach um, another hurdle or experience in life. And there's something from this part of my journey that I take among that one, and mm-hmm. a part of that journey that I take amongst another one, and so forth and so on, and and constantly learning and. Um, and loving and, and conversing about all of these things because um, you have where no one talks about any of it and then waits for you to invite them in. But then you have those people that have done the opposite and try to force themselves to know and then change you mm-hmm. in the process. So um, 
me conversing about these things, it's, it's, it's something that is very comfortable for me to do. And I mean, we, when we were talking before, we were saying like right now, um, in this time that we're in, uh, having control over yourself more than anything. And I think right now, it's important to know how to have that control over yourself and really pick and choose what is worth, well, not even picking and choosing, because I think you can know what is for you and what's not for you. But mm-hmm. conscious decisions of this does not serve me and this does not serve my well-being. Um, with the internet, I am um, scrolling and you can see things that can be really disturbing and can bring up trauma and can make you uncomfortable or can follow people that you didn't know they had had these certain thoughts. And it it is up to you to to navigate and to choose. Mm -hmm. Am I still there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And and to navigate if this is for me and does this, is this okay for me? And do I not want to see things like this? And making those conscious decisions for yourself on the internet. And I think um, the more we do that, the more the internet can be a happy place for us because it it is for me. Um, I follow people that um, have similar sentiments that I do. I follow people that um, not only have those same sentiments of equality and love, but a lot of people that have those sentiments and integrate those, those sentiments with education. And I think that is something that brings me a lot of joy. So we have to follow um, people that do bring us joy. People have a lot of negativity to say about the internet, but it's been something for me that I, um, without it, I actually don't know what it would be without it. So I can't even speak with it without it. And I can't to say, uh, I can't say like if it would have been a negative thing or if I wouldn't be where I am um, in my understanding of myself without the internet. I can't necessarily say because I don't know, but it definitely has played a good part in my identity, my journey, um, seeing other people like me, um, being represented, television also, and all of that jazz. What are the challenges that you face today in regards to your identity? Challenges that I face today. Um, definitely, I guess, uh, it's a challenge that is in place of, in a system, but um, I don't attach, I'm fully attach myself to the challenge, but um, being a, a Black, non-binary, or gender non-conforming, trans, queer person um, in a field of fashion, beauty, um, and not being seen. And for the most part right now, um, in this revolution, um, I am becoming more and more seen. Um, and I know as time goes on, that's only, go- only going to get greater and greater. Um, a challenge that many Black um, trans people and Black femmes are facing. We face that challenge of being seen. We face that challenge of um, not being heard and understood and um, and loved. And you know, all of that when you're not seen can you know trickle down to so many different areas. Um, but I definitely do speak to that, and and I speak positivity to that. That that is changing. Mm-hmm. That it will change for the better and that um, Black queer people like myself will be seen, will be heard, will be loved, will be um, courageous, will be taken care of, will be understood, will be equal to every other individual in this world. (laughs) Well said. I want to take a slight transition from kind of everything that we talked about in the last couple minutes that we have. And go to your journey of moving to New York. Mm -hmm. Having read what I read, it's a very 
impressive what you've been able to accomplish within that seems to be a little bit of a short time (laughs) (laughs) we're at right now but tell us a little bit about why did you even choose to move to new york to begin with um new york was always comfortable for me ever since i was a child there was just this i had this tangible love for New York City. And I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and I love Baltimore. But every time I would go to New York, it just felt like home. Um, You know, it's the melting pot for so many different people, so many different cultures, so many different identities, where everyone has a goal and everyone is getting to something. And uh, there's this story that my dad always tells that we were in New York and we were trying to cross the street and I was just like looking up and like, I wouldn't cross the street. And then he's like, Steph, like, come on. Like, we got to cross the street. Like, we have to go now. Like, it's in New York. It's hustling and bustle. <laughs> and I was just, like staring up at the lights. Like, I think I belong here. And um, I've seen that that really has become, you know, my truth and has played out <laughs> in my life. And um, New York is somewhere where I feel comfortable. Um, it's so many things for so many people. And, you know, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere, as they say. <laughs> mm. Why is th- Why do you believe that's true? I believe that's true because New York is a place where, um, New York is a place where it's it's tough. You come in contact with so many different people and identities that, um, they can build you up, they can break you down, but if you get through it, it's kind of like New York is kind of like life in a way. If you get through mm-hmm. it, then you can you can persevere, you can do it. Um, New York is it's not easy, um, but I think, you know, as a Black queer person, I'm pretty tough. And um, I have a tenacity that has been instilled in me from birth and New York is something that definitely matches up with that. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting point that you brought up. I didn't even think about it in that way, but have in the, in that situation, if you're surrounded by that many different perspectives, mm-hmm. you're bound to change. You're bound to transform in one way or another mm-hmm. because you're constantly being given feedback regarding mm-hmm who you are, what you do, why you do it. And I bet every conversation is so different mm-hmm. and varies from one to another that yes, it could be a good thing to have that many perspectives, but maybe sometimes it could also be overwhelming to yeah. hear that many different thoughts and know yeah. which one do I choose to kind of pull down and right. then nibble <laughs> upon and figure out what I actually was meant to learn from it. Very true. Um, There's uh, this subconscious, I guess, you know, you have like this angel and devil in your shoulder, but um, I feel like I was always um, internally, I always had the angel with me and Mm -hmm. I didn't didn't ever grasp onto um, any other experience of, attaching myself to the positive mm. um, and, and that has worked out for me. And um, it makes me think of another point when I was saying, um, when we talked about never getting tired, because recently um, at a friend's birthday dinner, they were running late. So I just sat at the bar in the restaurant and, you know, I had on, I wear like these like lavish hats sometimes. And so <laughs> there were two, um, probably two white men who were probably in like their 60s, 60s, late 50s and early 60s maybe, if I remember correctly, that, you know, complimented my hat, you know, said thank you, whatever. And we just started to converse. And the one that was closer to me, there was two, they were sitting to the left of me. The one that was closer to me just, you know, kept it pretty surface level and just compliments and like talked about wine that we, that we were drinking and whatnot. But the one, the man that was next to him, which was his best friend, and they were from New Zealand and, you know, they have their wives and their kids and whatnot. And um, the man, the, his friend that was next to him actually what had, you know, some to him were intrusive questions, but 
they weren't intrusive to me because I knew that I could give it language. Um, and he, he was asking me questions um, about my gender and, and things like that. And we started to converse and that's why conversation is so important. And that's why I, I don't shy away from them. Because by the end of that conversation, not only did we talk about um, my gender, my sexuality, but like we talked about community and the the idea of family and how the idea of family is outside of that heteronormative, stereotypical um, wife, husband, kid structure. There were so many different levels of conversation that we reached and by the time we stopped, my friend was really late. So we were talking for about 45 minutes to an hour. And by the end of that conversation, they bought me a bottle of wine to take with, it was their favorite wine from New Zealand. They And they also left me with, they said, Steph, I, I have to tell you, um, they were, they do like these educational trips, which is why they were in New York. Mm-hmm. And they as much as we came to New York to learn and study and we go travel all over the world to this conversation with you, not only was the most interesting, but I feel like it's something it's, it's the conversation that I will take with me in my everyday life Mm. of things that I feel like I should have known and that we all should know, but no one taught me as a older, and he didn't even know at the time, he was like, but as an older, cis, heterosexual male, white male. And he said this to me and I, 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 I mean, I was not shocked because I know that it's possible to have those conversations, but grateful that I could be that for them, but also grateful that we could have that connection and we could have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good point that a lot of it does begin with a simple conversation. Yeah. Choosing to just express it in the way that you know, because let's face it, there will always be moments in life, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. that there will be things that you don't know. Oh, yeah. There will be things that you don't have the language around. There will be things that you don't have the experience around. Mm-hmm. But I think just having the courage to step into that space and embrace the fact that there are elements of that experience that you haven't come in contact with with just yet oh yes it doesn't mean that you can't learn it oh yeah it, it definitely i'm i'm constant we all are um i think um if you give yourself agency to learn more and you know when you know better you do better so i think when you give yourself the agency and open yourself up to receive the possibilities are limitless and um right now right now more than ever um i always implore that you do open yourself to the limitless possibilities i think um being black and 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 being whole and being full is living in a place of um of limitless possibilities and and giving yourself the permission to love in a space um, without trauma, without holding yourself back, without policing, without um, marginalization. Uh, Right now is a place, and for me, that I live in a place without those things. And I think like subconsciously through my youth, I was doing that. So when I was walking down the street and I would get called out of my name, um, I'm not saying that I wasn't affected by it at all. I didn't attach myself to it um, because I was living in this imagination of, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and you know, it really has played out in my life of, I can see, well, in my youth and in my adult life, um, me not tr- attempting to not attach myself to the traumas too much has helped me 
in a way where I can receive something, mm -hmm. I can acknowledge it, and then I can let it go. Mm. And, that's, and I think that's an important part, the letting go part. Yeah, I, I think that is how that is played out. You know, I mean, I, and, and I'm and I, as you see me um, talking, I'm I'm thinking because mm -hmm. I, I I don't have all the answers, but um, but what I am saying is I think that is is how that has played out in my. In my mm -hmm. I'm thinking that is um, is acknowledging something, and when you acknowledge something, you're acknowledging it. You you don't have to accept it. Mm. Uh, so I acknowledge that that happened, and now what? It's almost like that thing with forgiveness. So with me, I think also in my in every relationship, whether it's my relationship with my dad, whether it's a past um, love interest or or romantic relationship, I have learned to forgive. And many people think when you forgive. It is you um, saying that whatever happened was okay. And for me, that's not the idea of forgiveness. To me, the idea of forgiveness is I acknowledge that it has happened. I've accepted that it has happened. Mm -hmm. Now what? Mm -hmm. Because if I I know what I've what I have come across in my life is when I have not when I have not forgiven someone or forgiven a situation it has weighed on me in return of not forgiving so the thing is the forgiveness is not for the other person it's not for the situation it is for you mm -hmm. so when you forgive that is you taking the weight off your shoulders of whatever the situation is yes and i think there's also a big difference between Choosing to forgive, not to forget, but forgive to accept, embrace, and move forward. And move forward to mentally be stable, to mm -hmm. not be stressed, to love again, to have family of, um, after the fact, to live. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think you can um, you can actually live if you don't forgive mm. I, I um, think that is something that I can definitely say and when I'm thinking about situations in my life when I forgave and when there was forgiveness that is when that was the genesis of me really embracing life and starting to live it was the catalyst to open up other possibilities and to open up other doors because there wasn't um this weight of such of those of those situations on me anymore mm -hmm. gave those people i've accepted that it has happened and then it was my time to move on because mm -hmm. then the time when you're when and I don't you know, want to say victim, but I'll guess say the victim of, um, of certain violence. Um, many of the times when you're not forgiving, because the forgiveness is for you, when you're not forgiving, those other people aren't thinking about that situation. That's true. Those people have moved on from the situation because it didn't affect them the way that it affected you. Mm -hmm. But um, forgiveness is great. <laughs> Steph, obviously you and I can have this conversation for however many <laughs> hours as it, as it takes, but I want to give you a chance to briefly share with us. Do you have anything that's coming up within your work? I know that you're very much involved within the fashion space. How are you guys transitioning in the times that we're in right now? Is there anything that people can be a part of within that particular area? Um, well, you can follow me on my Instagram at mind of Mendoza and there is definitely something that um, it's been one of those things that I have been wanting to do for a long time. And, you know, fear comes into play and, you know, all of those internal thoughts come into play. But, um, but I am getting to a place where 
it is well and it is so that this is something that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So everyone look out for that and, um, and continue to um, be arm in arm with me on my journey of life. <laughs> Incredible. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for joining us and sharing this space. And everyone that is listening um, or watching, continue to overcome odds, no matter how small or big they are. Mm-hmm. Never do them all the same way. Thank you all for choosing to tune in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.